Welcome to season four of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Leeds, founder and chief owl at Outstanding Women Leaders, Owl Professional Coaching, an organization dedicated to empowering women leaders. Owl is on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way leaders think and inspire you to disrupt business as usual in your brain. That disruption begins with a set of rules to guide our conversation today. Number one, nobody gets to be wrong. Number two, nobody gets to be right. Number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. And number four, everything is included. We do not edit here. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You will be heard. There is space for you. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. And if you haven't, you don't want to miss them. But enough about me. Today, I am excited to welcome outstanding woman leader, Cindy Samaras, a broker. Hi. Hi, Cindy is a broker associate with 20 years experience. Yeah, over proud- 20 now. Over 20. Mm-hmm. Proud to have provided quality service to her clients with vast knowledge of the real estate market and trends. Whether it is for a purchase or sale, be assured that she will bring her warmth, caring, and energy along with her determination, preserving spirit, and strong negotiating skills, and structuring and completing the right deal for her clients. Sophia has personal experience in buying and selling her own investment properties, which gives her an edge and clearer perspective of the real estate market. As a local business owner in Hoboken, Cynthia understands that client satisfaction and customer service are priority number one. She wants every transaction to be a positive experience for her clients. Mm -hmm. She also has a strong background in graphic design, corporate identity, and marketing. She's a member of the Hudson County MLS, New Jersey MLS, and Garden State MLS, and has successfully sold homes and assisted buyers from the city to the suburbs. With her deep expertise in real estate and design and her affiliation with Christie's International Real Estate, Cindy can leverage the strength of Christie's unparalleled corporate marketing resources and superior customer service to assist her clients through all phases of their real estate transaction. All of that is amazing, but what is so incredible- The way you say it is beautiful too. (laughs) I should use your voice for a recording. (laughs) You mean like a podcast recorded voice like this one? (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. It sounds beautiful. My favorite part about getting to know Cindy is also Mm -hmm. her dedication to philanthropy. She's not Mm -hmm. just a real estate agent. She gives back to the community that she also sells and buys homes in. And also uh, a fun and unknown fact about her is that she literally skated her way into (laughs) Jersey and Mm -hmm. made it home. Cindy, can you tell us how uh, your story of being in New York and literally skating your way here? Mm -hmm. So I was going to college in New York, and I love to roller skate. This is before rollerblades. So we all roller skated, and I had my little helmet on and my knee pads, um, and my skates were white. So I was just skating around the city, and I wanted, I I was in an unfamiliar area, so I just was getting onto a subway, but I mistakenly got onto the PATH train to New Jersey. So I got off in Hoboken, and I I was very confused because there were trees. You know, I was I was coming from New York, <laughs> and New, this is New York in the '80s. 
So it was, you know, like Union Square was, is gorgeous now. I lived right across the street from Union Square, but it was scary. I had to run through the park if I wanted to go to the gym on the other side. Now Union Square is beautiful. Like I didn't even have a grocery store back then. Now they have Whole Foods. They have all kinds of great shopping. It's amazing. Um, I should just move back to the city. It's so beautiful now. But I got off on the PATH train in Hoboken and I didn't know where I was. So I found Washington Street and I tried skating down Washington Street, but the sidewalk was so broken up that I had to take off my skates. So I was walking around in my socks and I walked up to <laughs> 8th in Washington and I saw an older woman in a store and that store later on becomes my husband's restaurant later on in years. Um, so I, I know it's so funny that I walked into that location. So I asked her, where am I? And she explained, you're in Hoboken. And, um, I was like, she was explaining to me how to get back to the train. So I started walking back down the street and then I saw a little sign that said a house was for rent for only $1,800, a whole house. So I walked down the street in my socks still and I, I called the owner. She was actually an artist in Brooklyn and she loved hearing that we were artists as well because I was going to Parsons School of Design at the time. And my roommates and I, we couldn't find an apartment. We had to leave the dorm at that time. Um, and we couldn't find an apartment in the city that we could afford. So we were all going to live in a studio, four of us. We're going to live in a studio apartment in New York City. But I told them about this house. And back then, you know, Jersey was very taboo. You couldn't go from New York to Jersey. Um, so I convinced them to come to Jersey. Bridge <laughs> and tunnel people. <laughs> so I convinced them to come to Jersey. And then six of us lived in that house. And it was so much fun. And we just, I really loved Hoboken because it was like a mix of like, because I came from Massachusetts, um, which is more rural to um, New York. So it was a big change for me. So Hoboken was that perfect mix for me of parks and trees, but still very urban with lots of stores and restaurants and so many fun things to do. Even back then in the 80s, it was always a great neighborhood and friendly environment. Mm, and you were known as a local artist in Hoboken, which is a fun hidden fact that I don't yeah, know that yeah. I knew about you before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hoboken was full of artists back then, full of artists and musicians. Um, so when I graduated um, college, my first job was as a textile designer. And I loved it. I was a textile designer for about three years. Um, but my father, who was an architect and always worked for himself, it really bothered him that my name wasn't on the designs. So when he came to visit at Market Week and saw all my artwork up and all the quilts up with my designs on them, he's like, but where's your name? So he would always say, you need to work for yourself. And But then I was actually also doing freelance um, textile design. And I would do somebody like in, if a business in town that I knew, cause I would go into all the businesses would say, Oh, can you make business cards for me? Can you make a logo for me? Cause they knew I was an artist. I would. So I always had these, all these little extra jobs. So my dad died when I was about 25 and on the drive back from his funeral, I decided I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do what he said I should do. So I was with my cousins at the time time driving back because um, they lived in New York and we were in a, a restaurant and there was a placemat with all businesses on it 
And I thought, I know all the businesses in Hoboken. I'm going to see if they want to be on a placemat. So as soon as I got back, <laughs> I quit my job, which I could because I had a lot of freelance um, design work for textile still. So I could because I was actually making more money doing the freelance anyways. And I went to all the businesses and I, I created a placemat. And I brought it. And no, it's funny, the first place that took my placemat was called Dooley's, which is now my bar. <laughs> his name was Tom Dooley, and he would take my placemats and he would put them on the tables for his customers. And it had all the businesses on them. And I would put like a, I put um, a crossword puzzle in the middle. So you had something to do. Mm -hmm. And then the business would ask me, oh, Cindy, how can I get into because then I would I was also doing graphic design for a lot of these businesses like I even did their signs that were on their buildings I would do their windows I would do back then you know you you had business cards and you had letterhead so I would do their logos I would do their t-shirts so I was doing that and then the businesses started asking me how can I get into the Hoboken Reporter do you remember the Hoboken mm -hmm. Reporter yeah that's when the Hoboken Reporter was around for about three years at that time and I was like I don't know how to do that but I knew a lot of artists and I knew a lot of musicians because Hoboken was full of them. You know, that building in the back 721 row, mm -hmm. that was only artists and musicians at one point. And they would rent these little spaces and do their thing. And it was just a, such a great vibe. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to create a newspaper. <laughs> so I created a newspaper. I was sitting with my friend, Dave. One day, and I was telling him, I think I want to create a newspaper because all of my businesses that I work with, they can't get into the Hoboken Report. Oh, yeah. That was a hard so one. To get would, Even when yeah. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Because you would have to take an ad out, but they really wouldn't do an article on you. And these Unless you paid. wanted an article. So I was talking to my friend Dave, and I was like, what should I name it? And he said, um, he came up with Scoop. So I don't know if you ever heard of it, but people still know it. And when I walk around town, people call me Scoop. Still, people call me, hey, Scoop. I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's me, Scoop. <laughs> I love it because it brings, I was only in my 20s. I was like 26 at this time. So I learned how to create a newspaper. So, and I would hire, like I had a friend that she used to write for Weight Watchers magazine I had friends that would write and I would have them go and interview different artists or interview different businesses. And if you were a business, if you took out a certain size ad with me, I'd do a whole article about you. So you got this huge, you got a full page, mm -hmm. you got a huge ad and a huge article and it was really popular. And the Hoboken reporter was afraid of me for a while. And I was just a kid I'm trying to support artists and musicians. You remember, um, you know, Empire Coffee? Yeah. Abby is a musician. She's a singer. Mm. She's one of the first people I interviewed, too, to be in the paper. And a lot of people didn't know. They only knew her from the coffee shop. It was on Washington Street at the time. She's an amazing singer. She even yeah. sang at her own wedding. So I put her as well into the um, paper. And I had that going for at least six years. The newspaper but then everything started to get digital mm. and people didn't want to be in the newspaper as much anymore so that kind of, of faded but I was still doing the graphic design I was still doing 
the textile design, and then um, the a school in Hoboken, a private school. The head of the school, she knew me from around town, so she knew I was an artist, and she said, you know, we're looking for an art teacher, and I never did that before, but I love kids. I've always worked with kids, so I said, I'll try it, and I ended up being so immersed in that school. I loved it. It was one of my favorite jobs. I would go to work happy and I would leave happy. I would open the school in the morning because I was in charge of the before school program. And I'd close the school at night because I was also in charge of the after school program. And I just loved it. And I taught art during the day and um, I was still doing the freelance. And then I didn't like going out at night um, with my friends because I didn't like to spend money. <laughs> so I started <laughs> Because I felt like you go out, right? You have yeah. a few drinks and your money's gone. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm a saver. I like to save. So I started, Um, one of my clients who I would do advertising for, he said, do you, you know, I'm missing a waitress. Would you want a waitress? And I'm like, you know what? I think I'll try that. That sounds fun. <laughs> and I loved it. So I was teaching during the day. I was doing my freelance. I was waitressing at night. I was just so happy. It was such a really great time in my life. Mm, you really did live your 20s in such an incredible way. And yeah, and my 30s. Yeah, I just, I, I, I'm really happy with how I've lived my life because I've done so many different things. I was talking with my son about it the other day because I was telling him, you don't feel like you want to get stuck in, you know, a certain niche. If you want to try something new, just do it because everything is fun. You know, you just can't be afraid. You got to put yourself out there. And that's how you get so many great experiences, you know, like from textile design to waitressing. I loved them all. I loved all that that I did. And I'm really happy that I was able to do all that and support myself and still pay my rent and still pay for groceries, you know. Yeah. And great. save. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and save. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. And so thinking about, you know, losing a, a parent is a big deal. And it really shifts things for you. Oh, it does. It makes you really just look at yourself and your life and you feel that loss. Yeah. You know, like so deeply. Um, and you want to still make that person proud, you know. So that's how I felt, too. Um, and I know that I know that like my brother, my dad always used to say he, um, he's so proud he's busting his buttons. I know right now he's looking at me and he's busting his buttons, not because I've been such a success, but because I've tried. I keep trying. I keep doing things that I love. You know, not everything works out, but you got to keep trying and doing things for yourself, you know, to feed your soul and to help people around you as well. Like just going to work every day for me it is not for me. Um, this is the path for me to just keep trying. And, and even if um, maybe at some points I'm not doing as good financially as an other person that works in like a big company or is in finance, I'm happy this way. This is the way I want to be. Yeah. So you have that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my grandfather passed away my sophomore year and tennis was what I picked up when he passed. I remember oh, wow. winning a medal and showing it to him. He had mm -hmm. cancer. And he didn't tell anyone he had cancer until it was stage five. Like he didn't want oh, to. Wow, do I'm it. sorry, Katie. Ah, it, he, uh, 
you know, he really honored the way his life, the way he wanted to, he didn't want mm-hmm. to be sick and die from chemo. He wanted to live his life until yeah. it was time to go. I can understand that. And when I, and so for that, you know, tennis opened doors for me. And then when my mom passed away, um, that's, which is where you came into my life. Um, after oh, my- really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah. 2018. Um, oh, wow. I'm so sorry. And thank you. And it made a huge shift for me too. Mm-hmm. And it's always, it's uh, always exciting to hear how quickly your shift happened. Like you were immediately like, you know what? I need to be an entrepreneur. I want my name on things. Mm-hmm. I want to honor this for my dad. Yeah. Um, and for me, that shift came January of 2020. I woke up and I did a women's in development conference in the city on January 6th. And there was a life coach presenting mm-hmm. and I owned a CrossFit gym and did a ton of coaching before I got yeah. divorced. I just don't mm-hmm. believe you should coach other people until you have gotten yourself right. Oh, absolutely. And, right. And so January, mm-hmm. 2020 for me, it was, I woke up and after that, or at that, I like woke up in that session was like, that was the thing I wanted to do. I remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it happens very quickly. Like, you know, two weeks later, I had a name of a business. You know, I had some of those artists that you talk about in Hoboken over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, good. For me. And we put our heads together and we couldn't figure anything out. And after uh, two hours, they're looking around. They're like, well, you have a lot of owls. Why don't you name your business mm-hmm. owl? Yeah. And then I'm like, well, what does it stand for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dana Baker said, outstanding women leaders. And I yeah. was like, yes, that's it. <laughs> so it's always so inspiring to see mm-hmm. people that, you know, take a really tough moment. Like losing a parent so young is really tough. Mm-hmm. And turning it into it's, something. Uh, losing a parent at any age is tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, it's just different levels of your maturity to it, how you're going to handle it and what stage in your life you are. But it's always, it's a whole, it's a whole. I lost my mom in 2022. And that dirt right at during COVID, luckily the hospital let us stay with her. So I was with her when she passed, but yeah, that's a, that's another um, time when, you know, you, your eyes, when that things like that happen, your eyes just open up loss and pain really helps you to see the things around you and what you want to change and what you really appreciate. Yeah. I, I, I love that you said, try things to feed your soul. Yeah. yeah. You just got to keep going, keep doing stuff. And you don't have to, you, it, everybody worries about failure. Um, but there is no, I don't feel there's failure. It's just trying again or trying something different. It didn't work out to me. Failure is it didn't work out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You gotta, yeah. It just didn't work out. It's not that you failed. It just wasn't for you. Try something else. Do something else. You went on this vacation. You didn't like the vacation. That's not a well, try a different vacation. You just got to <laughs> just keep trying different things. Yeah. And try you have. So you, I always say there is do or do not. There is no try. And so you're a doer. <laughs> you do a lot of different things. And so 31 years old, you get your real estate license. What year is that in Hoboken? Just so I can center myself on the real estate market there i don't know but it's 24 years ago okay so, yeah so hoboken real estate was a different ball game 24 years ago oh, yeah there were no computers there we didn't have cell phones i only got my license because i was trying to get a new apartment and no one would help me mm-hmm. and i was dating mike at the time 
And of course, you know, I'm willing to do whatever. And he said, why don't you get your real estate license? That's a brilliant idea. Then I could rent my own apartment to myself. So I got my license and I made him get it with me. <laughs> so we went to class together. So we would snowboard during the day on Mondays because we had that was our day off. And then we would go right from snowboarding to real estate class. And we were so tired. We'd sit in the back and suck on lollipops to keep us awake. <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, so right next door to Margarita's a real estate office was opening. So I, I was teaching at a school across the street. I was waitressing at Margarita's. I worked. I, my house was literally a block away. So I was like, this is perfect. I never have to leave this neighborhood. <laughs> so I, the woman was going into her office and I walked by and I said to her, oh, hi, I'm Cindy. I'm going to work for you. <laughs> I'm going to work for you. And she's like, oh, great. Okay. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I was going to the school. I was like, I just told this woman I'm going to work for her. I, I didn't even get her name. I don't know anything about the office. Um, and then I felt a little embarrassed. So I was actually waitressing one night in Margarita's and she walks by and she comes in and she says, what happened? I thought you were going to work for me. And I'm like, oh, I am. I'm almost done getting my license and then I'll come work for you. And I did. And that's where I started. And it was so fun. It, real estate was it wasn't as easy as it is now. Like we're, nothing was on that. It was hard to get on the MLS. You got an MLS book to look at the properties. You didn't have a cell phone. I got a pager at some point, but you were literally, people would walk in the office. You would w run around with a contract or a lease because there were no computers. And if they wanted the apartment, you had to have them fill out the lease then and there and run it to another office and to try to get it first for them. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I didn't realize how, I just did it to help myself. And I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it. Because I'm, I'm from an art background and this is completely different. And I just fell in love. And I don't know if it's because my dad was an architect and I worked with him so much, mm -hmm. but I loved going into the different buildings. I still get more excited than my buyers when we show houses. I just love looking at houses still. So I just fell into it and I absolutely love it. Mm, what are some tips to share with people that are buyers, sellers, or investors even? You know, what are you looking for from that with that architectural lens when you're looking at buildings? So what's the give me a specific question? Yeah. So what's if I want buyers? to buy a building, yeah, like what are you looking for when you what how do you guide people? Give us some of those tips. Well, if it's a first-time buyer, we have to go over what they like and they have to realize they're not going to get every single thing they're looking for. Um and we have to get them pre-approved first because they feel sometimes that they can afford more and we don't want them, you know, another realtor would say, oh yeah, let's do it for 600,000, but I don't want them to be house poor. So I want them to know what their comfortable monthly payment would be, not what the mortgage rep told them they can afford. What do you want to spend every month really and still go on vacation and still go out to eat? So that's a big part of it. And then we have to create their list of what they really want around that and where do they want to live as well. Um, but buildings and developers, that's a completely different ball game. Um, it depends on, you know, it depends on them. Do they want the building and they're just gonna knock it down? Um, is the structure important to them? Uh, depends on the town, what the rent roll could be because some towns uh, over like four families, you have, you're subject to rent control. So there's a lot of different aspects to that. 
Mm, so you're really, if you're an investor and looking for investor properties, you really want someone like you that understands uh, the mm. rules and what it means to invest in property and how to get the Yeah, most. and it depends on what they want. A lot of investors now just want to build new construction. So they just want, even if the place is beautiful, they're going to knock it down. Um, so it depends on the lot size, uh, what the variances are for the town. There's so many different reasons. Um, but for selling, it's really important um, people don't realize is to also look at mortgage rates. So when you, even when you're selling a home, we try to find the lowest rate for your home so that we can pass that on to the buyer so that you as a seller can make more money. So that's something that I, my team investigate, which a lot of other realtors don't do is you're just because you're not a buyer doesn't mean the interest rates aren't going to affect you. So we have to find because the best rate for your sale and pass that on to the buyer because some locations um, get lower interest rates. Some neighborhoods at certain times of the year get a lower interest rate. Sometimes there's different rates for first time buyers. Sometimes there's different loans where if your um, loan is 600,000 and you're only putting down 10%, your rate's actually going to be lower. So it's better to put down less. Yeah. And your payment will be less every month. So these are all things we have to pass on to the buyer when we're selling a home too. So anytime anyone shows a home, I call the realtor right away and I say, this is what we could offer your buyer. Please pass this on to them so they know that they can potentially put down more money or they could um, spend more money on this home and that gets more money for my seller. Yeah. That's really great. You know, something I, I've seen for some real estate agents is that they do push their people to sell so that, you know, the quicker that they sell, the real estate agent gets to cash that commission check. And sometimes holding out longer allows the buyer or the seller to get more money. But what you're saying is let's find a way to help the buying power of the person that's coming in at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Time, right. Mm -hmm. So that everybody gets what they're looking for. And what a brilliant way to approach it. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I've not heard that from a real estate agent before. Mm -hmm. Share my tips with all you realtors. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's and a really good tip that has helped me tremendously. And my sellers, they're all so happy at the end. Um, and so is the buyer. So everyone's happy. Yeah. No difficult conversations or like back deal, back dealing. You're really very mm -hmm. transparent and mm -hmm. we want this much for the house and here's how you can afford it. This is the cheaper yeah. end. Great. That's a great. Exactly, Katie. You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get your real estate agent a license and you're dating Mike. Um, yeah, we're dating. Husband. Mm -hmm. um, I think my favorite, most part of your story that's so inspiring is that you broke all the rules uh, in the 80s. Um, like my mom was 30 when she had me, which felt like breaking the rules in the mm -hmm. 1983. But you really broke the rules. You had your daughter at 45. Yeah, it was almost, I was almost 45. Almost 45. Yeah, I was like and 44 how, and a half. <laughs> love and that. And I had Michael too. I was 37 when I had Michael. And Mike and I didn't get married till I was 35. We were mm -hmm. together for four years. Yeah. So you really we lived your life. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's phone is ringing here. I'm going to hang it up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they heard about those interest rates. They want to know yeah. more. Stop calling me. 
Yeah. So this is inspiring for women, particularly as like a lot of us, myself included, where we are breaking those molds and we're, mm-hmm. um, we're, but we don't have to carve a brand new path. There's women like yeah. you that skated into your life and found mm-hmm. all those parts. Um, did you have any thoughts in your head? Like, oh, my friends are getting married. I'm 35. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not the marrying kind. <laughs> I think I'm too independent. Mm-hmm. Um, for that, but luckily I found the right guy for me who he doesn't care what I do. <laughs> you know, as long as I come back in one piece, we're good. So I'm very lucky that I have a very easygoing husband who just will go along with my antics. Um, and I think he he's very amused by them as well. <laughs> I know that I am. He's the same though. So we, we all, we're always laughing and that's um, a really great part of our relationship. Um, I forget what were we talking about. Oh, so I broke the rules with the baby making, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, I had Michael at 37 um, and it was actually, um, I waited a little bit of time to try to have Violet, but at that point we had purchased the bar and um, I was under a lot of stress, so it was harder, and I know that was part of it. It was harder to have Violet, um, so it took a lot of time, and, and I actually thought I was going through menopause, and I ended up being pregnant. I was, like, hot. I was uncomfortable. My friends, you know, that were, a lot of my friends were older than me. They were like, oh, you're going through menopause just go to the doctor. Don't be a hero, you know, get something. So I did, I went to the doctor. He's like, let me check. Let's just do a few tests. And I ended up being pregnant instead of going through menopause. So that was a gift. That was definitely a gift. It does run in my family though. My mother had my sister when she was 42. But I think what's great now, which a lot of the young people are doing, which I think if I I had known it back then, you know, because times have changed since I've had my kids. My son's going to be 18. Well, he is 18 now. He just turned 18. Is the freezing of the eggs. I think that if you're young and you want to live your life, just freeze those eggs. I think that's a great thing to do. And that gives you freedom to um, travel, to, you know, try different jobs, to take risks. So that's something I think I would have done. Um, if I had known about it back then, which I did not. Yeah. And yet you still had two kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel so. Yeah. I think that's good enough for me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's a lot of work. God bless the people that have four or five and more. Well, and it's, your kids are wonderful. You've done a lovely thank job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of them. Ah, so many great nuggets here. So you also, in 2006, you open a bar and grill in Hoboken. Uh-huh. And a fun Katie and Cindy fact is that when I moved to Hoboken yeah. on October 1st of 2015, uh-huh. I skated into Mikey Squared and had my very first meal. On roller skates? I did not. But, um. <laughs> but I, I, so funny, I, I went to Stax and I sat down there. Oh, Stax, yeah. Yeah. And I looked at the menu. And I, Mm -hmm. so again, just got divorced, uh, just sold my business, just got a sublet at fifth and Jackson for four months. I'm, I got to figure out my life. And one of the things I wanted to do was follow my intuition. And so I Mm -hmm. sat down and I looked at the menu and I've never done this before. I walked out, 
I just so was, proud of you because you should never settle. No, they're just what I I wanted steak and eggs. And mm-hmm. what I didn't know about Hoboken, I it might you I don't know if you were open on Mondays. It was a day of the week and it was a it was like 11 a.m. or 12 yeah. whatever. And what I didn't know is that most of those places aren't serving until four. Yeah. And Mikey Square was open and I mm-hmm. walked in and honestly, it could have been you that greeted me. Somebody mm-hmm. there said they were a former teacher. And I was like, oh, oh that had to be me. Teacher. It had to have been you. Yeah. It's <laughs> so funny. And mm-hmm. um, I said, you know, I really just wanted steak and eggs. It wasn't on your mm-hmm. menu. And you're like, we can make that. Who- yeah. Whoever it was. And you did. Uh-huh. And I yeah. had a Bloody Mary, I think. And mm-hmm. um, that October 1st was my wedding anniversary with my ex-husband. Wow. That was my new wedding anniversary with Hoboken. And I celebrated at your place. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to hear that. That's a wonderful story. I remember you saying that to me before, but yeah. I'm so happy. And then I got to meet you in real life a Mm -hmm. few minutes, you know, a few years later. And um gosh, I mean you know, life takes us where it's supposed to. It really just have to listen and follow. It does. And it's so inspiring to hear you talk about it. Cause when you talk about your life, like it very much mirrors sort of how I've also lived my life, which is mm-hmm. doing different things. I've had four careers and and not like succumbing to this pressure of having to stay in a lane, mm-hmm. um, like even as a coach or a real estate mm-hmm. agent, you know, there's pressure yeah. to niche right? Get in your niche and just mm-hmm. find these types of people. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I have range. So do you, you can help the yeah. buyer, you can help an investor, you can help a seller and you mm-hmm. think globally, which is what is so brilliant about how you service your clients. Mm-hmm. And for me as a coach, like, I don't want a niche. Like, you know, I have a teenager in here this morning. I had somebody in Denmark also on my zoom this morning. Like, I yeah. love that. I'm not just, Oh, I only service these people. No, I have a lot of talents. Let me support you. And you oh, do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some people though are comfortable in a lane. And I respect that if they are, I never push them because I know that that's their comfort level, but I do encourage anybody that wants to try something new, no matter how crazy they may think it is, because it's probably not crazy and they're just talking themselves out of it, but they really want to do it because they're going to miss out on just experiencing it. Even if it doesn't work out, who cares? You did it and, and maybe you had fun and just move on to the next fun thing. Yeah. And, you know, experimenting in science, like you have to have experiments that fail mm-hmm. so that you have information on what yeah. works. So, yeah, but we don't yeah. say fail anymore. It just didn't work out. Mm. <laughs> it didn't work out. Let's try something new. <laughs> I love that. So you have two kids, a husband and three cats. Yeah. You have a bar and grill on Washington street in Hoboken. Um, yeah. I- Squared that has not only survived the pandemic, but is thriving now. Yeah. 17th year. 17th year, which is just a a kudos and testament to what we've built there because, Mm -hmm. and also to your landlord that supported you there. Yes. Great landlord. Really Mm -hmm. hard in Hoboken to Mm -hmm. survive the pandemic. So congrats to that. Really wonderful landlord. Yeah. Uh, uh, What else should you leave us with? Give us the scoop. (laughs) on real estate and all things Hoboken. (laughs) Well, the market's better than everybody thinks. Um, The interest rates are coming down a little. Um, 
but it's still, you know, we're near New York, so it's still hot. So in Hudson County, it'll always be good because we're always getting the overflow from Brooklyn, Queens, and New York. So they'll be getting a small space in New York and they can get a huge apartment in New Jersey, five minutes away, right across the water. So we're our area is always gonna be good. And New Jersey as a whole has been great as well. Um, you know, you always have cash buyers. We still have these flexible rates if you really look for them. Um, and people from our area are moving to the burbs. So everybody's still doing well in this town, in this state. Yeah. So that's what I can tell you about here in um, New Jersey. But Hoboken's always hot. You know, it's so much fun there. And downtown Jersey City, too. Yeah. It has all those cool restaurants, cool shops. You know what Hoboken doesn't have anymore, though, is a diner. I know. We used to have three diners back in the day we had one in the middle midtown diner we had the malibu and then we had schaefer's this is before you mm -hmm. right as you came off the path mm. yeah that was so fun. that's the scoop real estate will always be hot that's why i had to move uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> you it's expensive. want a real estate agent who knows it back and forth and who mm -hmm. really understands how to make sure the seller wins, the buyer wins, and that everybody walks away with the mm -hmm. win. You are the woman to go to. And oh, if thanks. you're doing any nonprofit work, philanthropy, I've always just been so touched by your heart and how much you give. Your restaurant, I think, you know, it's made it through the pandemic because you've always taken care of others. Um, and you've always put others, well, you, have to, you have to take care of, you have to take care of, we have to take care of each other. Yeah. That's, you know, that was always the philosophy in Hoboken too. It was such a neighborhood feel and everybody took care of each other. You know, you take care of each other's kids, you'd watch out for each other. Um, and that was also that philosophy came from my dad. My dad always would do free architecture work for different organizations. And then he would have my brother and I go and help them and um, donate our time with them. So that started with that. And it's such a good feeling to see somebody benefit from something that you did. It, it's hard to see people suffer. You want to help them. So we do a lot. Um, we give food to the homeless shelter, to the Hoboken Food Pantry. And you don't realize how grateful they are to get a nice warm meal. It makes us really appreciate, you know, our lives. You wake up every day and you have a bed and you have a house and you have people to hug you and they don't. Um, so we want to try to make them as comfortable as possible. As we wrap up today, what uh, I have my three questions I'm going to ask you. Okay, forget them. <laughs> I love it. Get your question. Uh, what's your superpower? Oh, um, being appreciative. Yeah. <laughs> being appreciative of my life. I'm not a, is the grass greener person. Mm. Um, I appreciate everything in my life. Um, I don't need any more than what I have. And even if I had less, I would be fine with it. I actually had an ex-boyfriend that used to tell me, oh, you could live in a box because I'm just happy. Like, I don't need a better car. I don't need a better purse. <laughs> I'm happy. And um, I don't like to um, compete with anybody else. I just want to compete with myself. 
And I want to encourage others too. I want to be happy for others. Like if somebody accomplishes something, I love being happy for them. Um, I don't see them as competition for me. And I never really understood that until I was in my 20s. Like I never understood jealousy until I was in my 20s. And a therapist explained it to me because I was like, why are my friends acting like that to me? And she was talking to me about jealousy. I'm like, I didn't even understand jealousy because if you do well, I'm happy for you. And it makes me feel good inside. So I'm I'm happy that I'm like that. So yeah. I feel that's my superpower. And I try to pass that on to my children and other people. And I try to encourage other people as well. Hmm. Being appreciative is an incredible superpower. Yeah. I and like you it. share it so well. <laughs> you share it so well with the world. Uh, what is Katie, your- you do too. Thank you. Awesome. What is your purpose? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. What's my purpose? Um, I don't know, to just be me and, and to share, you know, whatever I can with someone else that needs help or um, even, you know, if a realtor that's not on my team needs um, advice, I'm more than willing to help them and because and, I want to see them do better as well or anybody if if you need help I'm there so that's what um I guess my purpose is I yeah feel. just be me what an yeah, amazing just purpose be me. on life uh-huh. I just and use your me. superpowers yeah. and then my favorite question of this what is next for you I don't know whatever um suits my fancy tomorrow <laughs> I do, you know, with the real estate, because I do have a design background, I really love staging. Mm. So I want to get certified in staging, even though, you know, I've been doing pretty good without it. But I think I want to just learn more about it um, and maybe take some interior design classes. So that's something I'd like to add to my repertoire because I've been staging. I have two... um, I have so much storage space in Hoboken now, just full of staging items. That storage unit looks better than my house ever will. Because, you know, my house is like a mismatch, but my staging stuff is gorgeous. So I'd like to add that. Um, and I'd like to try to travel more. I And my purpose my, is always to spend more time with my children and spend quality time with my kids as well. And to help more. Anytime something pops up, I jump, I try to jump in if I have the time. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your purpose, your super. Yeah. It was so good to see you and be with you. This was fun. It was good to connect with you again and see Mm -hmm. how you're going and uh, learn a little bit more about how your kids are doing. Your daughter is so cute. She's a mini version of you. So I imagine she's a beautiful 10 year old. Oh, thank you. Uh, I always give my guests the last word. So we'll, we'll leave. Yes. Your eyes will pop right up. We'll leave you with the last <laughs> word that you want to give our guests today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my last word, because I was talking about this with my teenager as well, and I'm finding it with adults as well is um, um, the word is FOMO is to not worry so much about what other people are doing. I guess that's part of the appreciation process as well, because it looks better than it is, number one. And your life is just as good if you look around. Your life is is great. Just because they have something different doesn't mean it's better. Mm -hmm. So 
um, that's my final word is to is, is your life is great. And, and I hope that you realize how wonderful your life is.